pray and sing. Amen. This is a time that we are able to, as a church family, come together and pray this prayer of blessing over our children as they are dismissed into children's church and our teens as they go into Bible study led by our youth pastor. Let us pray over our children with this prayer from Philippians 1. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you kids. See you teens. Have fun. Learn a lot. Be moved and transformed by the Spirit. It's our prayer for you, our children. And this morning, I would like to give us the opportunity to grow closer as a church family during passing of the peace. Now I encourage you to find people that you know, but also wanna encourage you to meet someone new during pass of peace. And you can say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in response say, and also with you. So as the band plays, please pass the peace of Christ to others. Safely to arrive at home. 
Lord, that we may be renewed by your spirit to be able to do what you have called us to do, to bring justice in your kingdom to this world. In Jesus' name, we pray and sing together. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is a pleasure to be with you worshiping Christ this morning. A few things that I'd love for you to know about the life of our church uh, uh, we're going to talk through some of the announcements, but before that, one of the ways that you can plug into the life of this church is letting us know that you're here. And so we have this dino QR code, yes, Jurassic World themed, because at least I know that that movie's out and we're going to it today, <laughs> but use that QR code, hover your smartphone over that, a very simple Google form will pop up, and that's just to let us know that you're here. If you have any prayer requests or stuff that you'd like the church staff to know, or if you want to get on our mailing list to know what's going on in the life of our church, that is a great way for you to plug in. A few things going on. Uh, the first is this Wednesday. We are having an a intergenerational game night, and that's being hosted and put on by the youths of our church, specifically our teens. Um, but if you want to come this Wednesday and play a little Rook for our old school Nasbos in the room, or uh, Clue, or Mafia, or whatever your game of choice is, please come this Wednesday uh, to hang out and, and play some games. Uh, also, this Saturday, we have our church service day. Uh, we're going to be hanging around the grounds of the church between 9 and 2 p.m., and we're just going to be doing a few tasks around the church. we got some power washing to do. We've got some organization of closets to do. And we'd love for you to join us in that work. Specifically, if you have a child or a teen, this is one way that your child and teen can earn credit to camp, uh, either for the camp that's coming up or for Elevate next year. Uh, this is a great way for that student to earn some credit towards camp. So... That is this Saturday, starting at 9 a.m. Third is uh, that we have a, kind of a series of events for those who would consider themselves in their 30s, either late 20s, early 40s, and we're just having some informal get-togethers, and one of those is coming up June 29th, uh, and we're just going to be hanging out kind of in the middle of the day with our kids down at Shelter Island. It's going to be kind of picnic style, bring your lunches. We're just going to be hanging out invite you to that. And then lastly, we've been making a big push for this, but I want to remind you, we have VBS just a few weeks away. And yes, there's a few more volunteers that we need, but more so, we need a few art supplies, specifically uh, any plastic bottles or medium-sized clear plastic takeout containers with lids. If you happen to have those in your your cabinets, or you've been uh, having some recycles put as, as recyclables set aside, we'd love to have those so we can have some arts and crafts containers for our kids. Uh, if you have those and you want to donate them, you can either bring them on a Sunday morning to the children's building, or really just like pile them in front of Jordan and Rihanna's office doors in the church office. 
so we got VBS coming up, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, usually, every Sunday, we have been interviewing uh, somebody in our congregation uh, to get to know them to, as we emerge out of this COVID quarantine, just to reacquaint ourselves with one another. And at this time, I'd love to invite Danny Martinez up. I was with a bunch of pastors. Yes. Give it up for Danny. I was with a bunch of pastors uh, the other day, and we were talking about tech people uh, in, in our church. And uh, one of the pastors mentioned that their, their tech crew wears black shirts that has the phrase, uh, you only know me if something goes wrong on the back of their shirt. So I thought it would be really important to know Danny before anything goes wrong. No, things don't normally go wrong. We've really ironed out a lot of that We've stuff. We've tried. We've tried. We've really tried. Our mics work when they, they need do. to, which is crushing it. And you've got your, your tablet with you. This is not for games. This I know. Is... It's not, I'm not playing games while I'm in service. I'm mixing. So <laughs> Yes. We have mobile mixing going on. So we're, we're on the cutting edge, yes. really. Yes. Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, my name is Danny Martinez. I am a recent grad of Point Loma. Uh, graduated in December. Um, and I, yeah, Point Loma, beautiful school. Um, I was a commercial music major here, so I learned how to do live production. I was also a, uh, wor- involved in worship arts here um, for my four years. Uh, born and raised Nazarene, um, SoCal district all my life, so this is like home. That's awesome. How did you, I mean, certainly you were a neighbor at Point Loma Nazarene University, but how did you come to be a part of our congregation in particular? Um, I came to First Church. I mean, every freshman that comes in and, and comes to Point Loma, they always kind of make their way over here because this is the closest church. Um, so when I got here, I met Pastor D, and I knew, I mean, in my time as a Nazarene uh, member, I knew that D was just a very great man, very great pastor, and it was always so, such a pleasure to talk to him and to meet him, um, and it wasn't until truly about a year or two ago that um, I started getting more involved uh, because Austin started asking me to run sound or to be a part, and then truly that turned into a position that D offered me, so now I'm here on staff. Yes, Danny is, serves on staff. Um, what, beyond music and tech stuff, what is uh, a hobby or an interest of yours that you would want us to know about? Um, music production is really my, my biggest hobby. Um, if I'm not mixing on a Sunday morning, I'm at home and I'm working on recording music or producing music. Um, I also work here at Point Loma um, in media services. So if you are a professor or somebody who's on campus frequently, you might see me here all the time <laughs> um, because I'm here all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great place to be. Um, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey in particular. What's something in your, your kind of recent uh, journey that you are either learning or lamenting or celebrating? I think um, I, a lot of people in their recent grad uh, journey, especially post-COVID, um, have come down to realize that in this, in these moments more than ever, that how good and how faithful God is. Um, it's been a journey trying to figure out what life looks like after graduation, but in those moments I've found that God has provided, God has been with us, um, and there hasn't been a moment where I have cried out to God and felt like no one was answering, um, so a lot of answered prayers have happened. And I think I stand here today along with a lot of post-COVID graduates, um, just really grateful for not only God, but the community that f- follows with um, and the people that supported all of the post-COVID graduates and even even during COVID graduates, the people who didn't get a graduation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for sharing with us. Give it up for Danny. Thanks for everything you do as a part of our congregation. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to Haplin. Haplin, please uh, share with us a piece of music. Cool. <clears throat> I invite you guys all to uh, remain seated, relax your bodies, and just listen. Um, and I also know during special performances in church, 
at the end, there's never a true consensus on whether we clap or not. We kind of sometimes do, sometimes don't. And just for the heck of it, I just made a split decision. I'm going to request that, what happens if we just hold the applause? Just relax your bodies, take a deep breath, listen to the music, and then as it finishes, we'll just rest in, um, rest in God's presence as uh, Brian and Larry come up to read the scripture. Let's, let's try that, see how it goes. Thanks for listening to the song. When we sing, may we go until our voices fail. Raspian tired, only breaking for a quick
Larry and I will be reading from Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks for all who have shared in worship this morning. Thanks, Diane and Larry. Larry, you have to be really assured in your faith to read the role of Satan in the scripture. We have our, uh, our weekly reminder to pray for uh, Pastor D and Kay, and I think we have a, a few sightings here. This was at the family wedding back in Michigan that they're attending. And uh, we're pretty sure this is a prayer for safety. Thanks to Sutton for family pictures as we remember to pray for D&K as they continue their time of sabbatical and refreshment as God equips them to continue in leadership in our church. Well, the word that was just read is where we find ourselves in the words of Christ. We have looked at Jesus' words to the Father, Jesus' words to his disciples, Jesus' words to his church. And now we want to look at Jesus' words to Satan and why it matters to us. We're told in Scripture that Jesus immediately, from his baptism, goes to this time of of testing. Mark says he is compelled immediately. Different words in Scripture. He was compelled, he was sent, he was driven into the wilderness to be tested. But we can't understand the temptation of Christ without the context of the baptism of Christ. Because it's an immediate thing, he moves immediately from this marvelous time into the mountains above Jericho. If you've been there in the Holy Land, you rise from where Jesus is baptized there along the Jordan River, and right as it passes by Jericho, you look up, and they still call it the Mount of Temptation, where they assume Jesus was driven into the mountains to spend these 40 days in solitude. It seems to me that this is a moment of of great decision for Jesus. It is the time for his earthly ministry to begin. He comes and is baptized of John. And so it's a time not only of decision to begin his ministry, to call his disciples, but also a time of identification. John identifies who he is, the one that John has been talking about to his disciples. There is one coming after me, I'm not even ready to untie his sandals. I'm I'm not worthy of him. And yet he is the one who would baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. John identifies, this is the one. This is the Lamb of God. This is who I've been talking about. Follow him. He must increase. I must decrease. It's also a moment of great approval from God. In the synoptics, we read that the voice of God comes from heaven. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then in Mark and Luke, and then John speaks of the Holy Spirit coming as a dove and indicates that this is Christ being baptized by the Holy Spirit. This is Trinity Sunday, Sunday after Pentecost, and we celebrate the unity of the Godhead, and we recognize Father, Son, and Spirit. And is there a scene where Father, Son, and Spirit are exhibited to us for us to see? Here is Jesus being baptized, the voice of God from heaven, the Spirit descending on him as a dove, the unity of Christ in God and his Holy Spirit. It's a moment of decision and identity and approval and of equipping. And Jesus now begins this ministry, and at once he goes to be tested. 
Let's start with just a few facts about temptation from Scripture. Temptation is a part of our lives. Without alternative, there can be no obedience. One of the things I've written in the front of my Bible is that intimacy with God is the ability to sustain commitment in the face of adversary and alternative. We do not maintain our Christian faith without conflict. The adversary will always be there. The alternative of sin will always be there. Temptation is the road by which Satan tries to enter our lives and create doubts. And without alternative, obedience is nothing. We are not forced to obey. Adam and Eve in the garden. There was only one rule God gave them. You can eat of everything in the garden. This one tree, don't eat of that. That's the point of obedience. Will they keep the word of God? Another fact about temptation, and I want us to read a few verses from James, is that temptation does not come from God. Let me just read you verses 13 through 15 in James. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So God doesn't send temptation to us, but God allows testing as Satan comes to us in temptation. Another fact about temptation is that God allows it to test us and is designed to strengthen our faith, not to defeat our faith. Let's go back the same chapter of James, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And down in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Our faith will be tested daily as we walk in this world. Another fact about temptation comes to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. By God's power, we can overcome temptation. Again, let me read to us from this scripture. Chapter 10, starting at verse 12. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. To recognize that God always provides that escape. We are aware of the evil around us. G.K. Chesterton put it in a very picturesque way. He said, fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales teach children that dragons can be killed. We all know that temptation exists. We all know that Satan is around us. We all know there's the prospect for evil. What Jesus teaches us is that we don't need to be defeated by that evil. But he gives us the strength to overcome that evil. Another fact of temptation is that when it comes, we have free choice. There is no fatalism in the Christian church. We are free agents. We can choose to fall into temptation or we can choose to remain true to Christ. Another fact about, faith, about temptation. Defeat is not falling into temptation, but in considering and yielding. That was that scripture in James tells us. When it is conceived, it gives birth to death. When that thought can, is allowed to percolate. A little boy came up to an old grandpa fishing in a little pond. And the boy said, it looks pretty deep. He said, yep. The boy said, could you drown from falling in? Nope. Thought you said it was deep. <laughs> yeah, but it's not the falling in that drowns you. It's the staying in that drowns you. <laughs> Temptation will come our way. It is the consideration of that temptation. It's the lingering on that thought. It is the consideration of that temptation that will drown us, that will keep us from our right relationship with Christ. 
Let's look at some things about Jesus' temptation here in Matthew chapter 4. The time of his temptation comes just after this incredible experience of baptism and 40 days of communion with the Father. He's been in prayer. He's been in fasting. He's been considering his ministry that is now opening up before him. He has heard the voice of God. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. He has been filled with the power of the Spirit. But Satan does not like losing ground. And Satan will always attack us after a time of spiritual growth. Just be aware, if you have had a spiritual breakthrough in your hours of prayer, in a time of worship service, in a time of Bible study, in a Sunday school class, if you have made strides for your walk with Christ, Satan will attack. You can be aware. You can be certain of it. Satan knows when we are vulnerable to attack. And so we look at not only the time of the temptation of Christ, but also the type of temptation. I have never in my life been tempted to turn stones into bread. (laughs) It's not in my power sphere. (laughs) To deal with issues from the Old Testament and messianic prophecies. The temptations of Jesus were specifically set to his specific strengths. Satan may attack us at our weakness, but often he attacks us at our strengths or our perceived strengths because we're much more likely to be self-reliant in those areas, to think, oh, we can handle this on our own. I don't need God's assistance. I'm strong in this area. That's exactly where Satan will turn it into spiritual pride and take us down without us knowing it. Be aware of the attacks of Satan in every situation of our lives. The place of temptation is the wilderness. It is indeed a desolate, desolate place. And when we visited the Holy Land, we were able to take a cable car up into the area that they presume was the rugged area where Jesus would have maybe slept in one of these caves and would have been in time spending his time with the Father. It's this desolate wilderness that stretches up from Jericho to Jerusalem, over 20 miles of wilderness, a desolate area. Mysterious, isolated, dangerous. The wilderness has a specific significance for the history of Israel as so much of their time is spent in wilderness wanderings. Solitude. When you are tempted, seek fellowship. Seek accountability. Don't remain in solitude. Satan will attack us in solitude. He will attack us in our wilderness times Be aware and seek out the strength that Christ provides in his church and in fellow believers. Well, then the result of the temptation. Jesus did not win a once-and-for-all victory over Satan and then head off never to be bothered by Satan again. In fact, in Luke's account of this, it said Satan left him to wait for a more opportune time. (laughs) Satan kept coming back to Jesus. Satan will keep coming back to us. And as the temptations kept coming back to Jesus, they changed in the way that they came. You would expect temptation to come from Satan. You would expect temptation to come from the enemies of Christ who called out for some miraculous sign and tried to get him to take shortcuts in his ministry. Then the disciples became the method of temptation. Indeed, right when Peter announces, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, in the very next paragraph, when Jesus says, I must die, and Peter says, you must never die, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) You don't have the things of God, but the things of man in your heart right now. Coming from his closest of disciples, that temptation, but then all through his ministry, those temptations continue. At all of the miracles, they want to make him king, a temptation to take a shortcut of his ministry of love. In his own prayer in the garden, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Temptations might come to us through Satan and his demons. Temptations might come to us from people in our world. Temptations might come from our friends. Temptation might come from within us. Beware of all the different ways Satan will try to bring things that will throw us off of our walk with Christ even on the cross. The temptation comes from the thief beside him. If you're really the son of God, save yourself and us. He'll call the angels. He'll take care of you. You won't have to suffer. 
He constantly battled temptation, therefore he can constantly help me. Satan will not leave us alone. He never leaves us alone. Even at the cross, when Jesus defeated the power of death, temptation still remains. Let me take us one more place in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, that deals with temptation. Look at verse 15 in chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may have mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Tempted in every way, yet without sin, so come with confidence. When we are tempted, run to Jesus. Come with confidence. I know you were tempted this way, Jesus. Where's my way of escape? You have promised it. I'm looking for it. Help me. We cry out to him for help. And he is always there because he was tempted as we are. So let's look at the specific temptations of Christ. He's hungry for the understatement of the New Testament. Forty days of fasting in the wilderness. And he hungers. And this is the temptation to put body before spirit. This is the physical temptation. And we all face physical temptations. Jesus had been in a blessed, strengthening communion with the Father and also gone without food for this time. And Satan's goal is to disturb that relationship with God, to get our eyes on the physical. I read a wonderful statement about this. It says, people can never get enough of the things they don't really need. Satan will always dangle things in front of us that we don't really need, and there's never satisfaction from that. It is never sufficient. In fact, C.S. Lewis says in Screwtape Letters, as Satan gives instructions to his demons, give them, mankind, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. And isn't that the road of our world? Satan will say, just a little more, just a little more. And the result of that is always a little less and a little less. And so Jesus hungers. And the hunger of Jesus speaks of his physical temptations. When it says Jesus is tempted in every way as we are, certainly not with every specific situation, but in every category of our lives. The physical temptation of his hunger represents any physical temptation in our life, be that sexual temptations or any physical addiction or things that would throw us off from this relationship with God. Reuben Welch in his book about the temptation says, don't lose trust in the God relationship. The God relationship is what sustains us in times of testing. Satan's strategy is always to create doubt. Isn't that what happened in the garden? The first thing that Satan says to Adam and Eve, did God really say? The only instruction God had given them was not to eat of the tree of life. Did God really say that? He he tries to plant doubt in something that they know to be true. What is Satan's first word to Jesus? After the baptism, after these 40 days of communion with God, after the voice of God from heaven, this is my beloved son, after the spirit lies on him, if you are the son of God. The first thing he wants to do is plant doubt in our minds. His strategy has not changed. He says to us, if you are a Christian, you shouldn't suffer. Job's friends, God is good, therefore the righteous should not suffer. You've had people say to you, if it's really a God of love, then there shouldn't be disease and there shouldn't be war and there shouldn't be disaster in the world, right? Trying to place doubt in the mind of the believer is Satan's strategy. Behind the question of turning stones to bread is should good people suffer? And we have volumes and volumes on that problem of evil and the issue of suffering in our world, but Jesus suffered. Same question he faced on the cross is yes, good people will suffer and I will suffer for you. Do you see what Satan gains If the godly must prosper, (laughs) then we begin to worship prosperity rather than worshiping God. 
what God gives us instead of who God is. And all through Scripture, God says, seek my face, seek my face, seek to know me. It is not seek my hand and seek what I can give you, but evaluate our own prayers. We have to catch ourselves. Is it always a, a wish list of things that we run into God's presence with all the things we want him to do and give to us rather than seeking his face and knowing him? Is that knowledge of the Savior that is crucial for us? What God can give us never stands up to what God is in our lives. He is in relationship with us. So never lose trust of the God relationship. And Jesus' answer is marvelous. Satan's first word is if. And Jesus' first word is to identify with us. Man shall not live by bread alone. He doesn't say, I shall not live by bread alone. He associates with us because he's preparing us to face temptation as well. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The spiritual is more important for the physical, for Jesus, and for us. And we've got to keep that priority in the right place. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you as well. It is God who sustains me, not bread. <laughs> he sustains my spirit. And so Jesus answers with the truth of God from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Always answering from the word. That's why David says, your word I will hide in my heart that I might not sin. We have the answer to Satan in the word of God. And so we hide that word in our heart that we might always have an answer when these temptations come. Well, if the bread into stones was the physical temptation, now we come to the intellectual temptation. The temptation to the spectacular display. Throw yourself off from the pinnacle of the temple. His angels will come. The promise is there. They'll be so impressed. Oh, they'll follow you. Can you imagine when that comes, they'll know you're Messiah, a shortcut into what he has come to accomplish. The question is, do you really trust God? Jesus, do you trust the Father that if you throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, the angels really will come and lift you up, that you won't dash your foot against a stone? Impress them, and then they'll follow you. There's not a great track record of that in Israel's history. They forgot the miraculous displays pretty quick be that the parting of the Red Sea or the feeding in the wilderness or the walls of Jericho or anything else, it was always pretty soon we're right back to grumbling and forget the spectacular display. And again, if Jesus gives in, Satan says, okay, now it just has to be more and more spectacular displays and this one has to outdo the last one or it won't even be noticed. Satan does not fear a remote God of power, but an intimate God of love. He'll just do powers back and forth with God, and we would lose. But he loves us, and Jesus relies on that love. The shortcut, impress them, Jesus, especially at the temple. The Jews are expecting an impressive display there when Messiah comes. Where Adam and Eve gave in to Satan, Jesus resists. Again, quoting from Deuteronomy, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now we come to the third character of temptation, the spiritual temptation. Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of this world and all their splendor. I'll give all of this to you. This is my domain. I'll give it all to you. Isn't that why you came, to win the world? I'll give you the world. <laughs> Satan always buries the lead if you bow down and worship me. That's really where Satan wants to start. If you bow down and worship me, then I'll give you anything you want. Instead, he dangles those baubles in front of us. I'll give you all the things of this world. And then later on, we read the fine print. Oh, if you worship Satan. If you fall down before him instead of God. The question is, why must victory come through suffering? Satan's saying, Jesus, you don't have to go to your death. Bow down and worship me, and you can have everything you came to accomplish. Satan says to us, I'll give you all of this. Doesn't God want his people to have the best? You heard that one, haven't you? <laughs> Jesus returns to the fact of God, and so must we. 
You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. We have not come to gather stuff. We have come to be in relationship with God and to build that relationship. And Jesus again quotes from Deuteronomy, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus tempted in every way, just as we are, physically, intellectually, spiritually. All of our temptations fall into those categories. Yet Jesus did it without sin. And the word says, when we are tempted, he will provide the way of escape. When temptation comes, look around quickly. See the lighted exit signs over all the doors? If there's ever a fire in here, we want you to know where to look. (laughs) There's always a way of escape when we are tempted. Look around, where is it? We are never trapped in. He will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but will always provide a way of escape. And so when temptation mounts up and you think there is no way out, seek it. God has promised that it is there. Sometimes we give Satan too much credit. 1 John 4, 4 should be a word that we live by. Greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Satan is just a created being like we are. Satan is not omniscient. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not on equal footing with God. He is a created being. He works through his demons. He can only be one place at one time. And God is greater. So when temptation comes, we remember that God is greater. Well, I want us to turn as we close to the positive view of what temptation can do for us. If this is a part of our life, if these facts are true, that this is always going to be here, it's always going to be present in our lives, and we see what Jesus has done, then every temptation comes as an opportunity. An opportunity to further solidify my relationship with God. To prove his faithfulness again. You've been faithful in the past, Lord, as I face these times of testing. Be with me now. If I see temptation as another opportunity to give God praise, I will face it in a different way. Not just something to overcome, but a way to honor God. With every temptation comes the opportunity to grow in my faith because I become stronger with each victory because I have more history with God. One more thing I can look back on and say, God, you have helped me in all these times before. You will help me again. And the more those begin to compile, the greater my foundation in Christ becomes. I have this pool of answered prayers to rest on. God, you are always faithful. And with every temptation comes a new opportunity to demonstrate my trust. Not trust for an outcome, but trust for his will in my life. Something I jotted down from Pastor D a few months ago. In front of my Bible. (laughs) Trust in God is completely different from trusting him for a specific outcome. Do we see the difference? (laughs) It's not trusting God to answer my prayer my way. It's trusting God. Trusting his love. Trusting our relationship. James, it says, once we have fought through these testing times, we will become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wholeness in Christ. That's what he calls us to. Jesus has led the way. Victor and Phil are going to play an instrumental for us of the hymn, Our Great Savior. As you see the words on the screen, think of the power of Satan and how it pales to the power of Christ, to the strength that we have in him to overcome the times of testing, the times of temptation that will surely come. And the more we grow in grace, the more temptation will come. We will never outgrow it. There's no time God says, well, God's got too big of a hold on them. I'll never be able to win them. He'll just change his tactic. He'll try to get us with spiritual pride or try to get us with something else. But he won't give up. But the one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. Read the words as they play.
he is with us to the end. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you to the very end of the age. With us in times of glory and with us in times of testing. Aren't you thankful for that? As we close in prayer, there's a few uh, members of our church who are facing times of uh, test right now. Diane Rodriguez may have already gone in for emergency gallbladder surgery. I'm going to pray for her. Jim Swanson is facing emergency surgery this week with an issue, a nodule on his throat. Let's keep Jim in our prayers as well. Let's bow and pray. Father, we come before you recognizing that you have promised as our great Savior to be with us to the end. You are Lord of our lives. You are Lord when everything seems to be sailing along in routine. You are Lord when times of great temptation come. We trust you for these physical needs in our own congregation. We trust you with the intellectual temptations of our lives. We trust you with the spiritual temptations of our lives. We are yours. We are your church. We are your people. And we want to be in relationship, trusting relationship, intimate relationship with you. May we know you and seek your face this week. In the name of Christ, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and give you his peace this day. In the name of Christ, amen, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you.